Well, good morning, Gospel Community Church. How are you today? Wow, you guys are awake today. That's fantastic. I was up at 5.45 this morning and, and just had this, usually at 5.45 I'm like half asleep, but I just had this excitement and this joy looking forward to gathering together. The psalmist said, it is good for us to come to the house of the Lord. Are you in agreement with that this morning? It's good for us to open up God's word. I'm going to invite you to do that now. Turn to Acts chapter 4. And isn't it an amazing thing to say, open up God's word? Like he has given us his word. And when we look at the scriptures, we are seeing, hearing what God has spoken for us to understand. What an amazing gift it is to have the word of the God. When you open up your Bibles, don't take it lightly. When the preacher proclaims the truth, understand that you are hearing from God. This is an amazing thing. We're in Acts chapter 4. We're going to talk about boldness today. Be bold. If you have been part of Gospel City a long time, it was actually a theme that we had one year. Be bold. And when we think about boldness, there's lots of different things that come to mind. Uh, maybe right away you're thinking of like bright obnoxious colors that stick out. Like, is that what it means to be bold? Is being bold mean somebody who's obnoxious? Maybe you like, I can't stand those bold people who are just always in your face. And it can be something that can be kind of annoying. Uh, for others, we appreciate boldness uh, when those who are just speak the truth and they're in your face. Like, you kind of like that kind of thing. But I think for all of us, there are moments where we all appreciate boldness. For those who stand for life, for the life of the unborn, for those who are weak and vulnerable, those who stand up for that, we love that kind of boldness. And when we look at the scriptures here, we're going to see a far greater boldness than any of those things. And that has to do with the boldness of a Christian speaking of Jesus Christ, no matter the cost that may come their way because of it. And so follow along with me as we jump in. Acts 4, I'm starting in verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a no notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may not spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. Because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Let's pray. Father, I praise you 
for who you are. You are the God of mercy, the God of redemption, the God who is worthy of everything we could possibly give and more and beyond. And Lord, we are unworthy of any grace, any mercy that you have lavished on us, and yet that is why Jesus came, so that you could give us mercy and grace. And Lord, as we look at the book of Acts here, I pray that you would move in us, that you would give us an urgency from the necessity of Christ to be proclaimed to a dying world, Lord, would you give us boldness to be willing to stand up for the truth, even if it means that it comes with a cost? God, I pray that we would be bold in the right ways, not obnoxious, not arrogant, not prideful, but we would do so in humility, understanding that we can't help but proclaim the truth of Jesus. And so, God, would you move this morning? Would you speak through me, Lord? Would you bring the word to life? And would you change our hearts in the way that it needs to be changed? Would you change our thinking and any thinking that we are off on? Lord, would you center us back to you? God, I pray. I pray for your spirit to pour out, that you would give us the gift of illumination and open our eyes to see the beauty of your word this morning. Lord, thank you for the example of Peter and John, Lord. And may we be modern-day Peters and modern-day Johns in our world that desperately needs to hear of Jesus. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so we are talking about being bold. And here we find ourselves still tied to the miracle when Jesus healed the lame man at the temple through Peter. As you recall, Peter and John were walking by. The lame man called out, asked for, asking for money, looking for riches. And Peter said, I don't have anything to give, but what I do, I give to you. Be healed. And he was instantly healed. This man who had been lame from birth suddenly healed. The, the people in the temple had seen this man for years begging Many of them had thrown their money towards them to feel good about their good deed that they had done. And here he is, not just limping and not even crawling, but he's leaping, he's jumping. And they've just experienced this, and revival is breaking through, and yet there are these religious leaders who aren't particularly happy with what's going on here. These are the Sadducees, and as you recall last week, they uh, were not excited about the people proclaiming, Peter and John proclaiming the resurrection, is they did not believe in the resurrection. They did not believe in life after death. And they were upset with him. And we talked about the fact that to follow Christ, there is a cost. Peter and John were imprisoned. And we're going to find out things don't get better for them physically. They actually get worse. But there's a cost to following Jesus. But we know that when we pursue Christ, when we proclaim him, that there are is great reward that is far greater than the cost. And for Peter and John, the cost of being imprisoned uh, for proclaiming Jesus meant that thousands came to Jesus through their testimony. We aren't guaranteed an easier life here when we decide to follow Jesus. And we may come to a place where we find persecution or we may suffer, suffer rejection from those that we share Christ with. But we understand that Christ goes with us. He goes before us. And if he brings us into a place of persecution, he brings us in a place to be able to share the good news. We have the promise that 
God will give us the words to say. And so we are called to proclaim Christ is the only way to God. There is no other. We are called to take this message to the end of the earth. And in the midst of an evil world, we are called to proclaim Jesus. We're not called to sit around in our easy chairs, staying inside the church, feeling comfortable with one another, and then going home and and doing our own thing. We are called to proclaim Christ no matter where we are at, wherever we go. We are called to be bold. So look, look again with me at verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So when it comes to boldness, here's the first thing I want you to be aware of. First thing we see here, boldness is more about the truth than the messenger. Boldness is more about the truth than it is about the messenger. Peter and John had just boldly proclaimed Christ to the most powerful Jews around. And they didn't even flinch. They didn't hide any punches with them either. They let them have it. And even though they had declared Jesus guilty just several days before and crucified him, Peter and John stood up to the Sanhedrin without a care of what may happen to them. And this left the committee dumbfounded. I mean, they were shocked at what they were seeing. They were seeing these common folks from a place that there shouldn't be wise people from Galilee. How could there be these people? They didn't come up in our training. That's what they were, that's what they were acknowledging, and the fact that they, these were uneducated people. Like, hey, we didn't see them studying in the temple with us. We didn't see them going through all the hoops that we had to jump through. How, how are they able to speak so boldly? And they were amazed. This is not what common folks do. They, don't, they just kind of shut their mouths and do their job and listen to us who are wise, who have been through all the training. Who are these people speaking so boldly? And I wonder if it was through their boldness that they realized, wait a minute here. This sounds a lot like another ordinary man that we knew of. These people were walking with Jesus, that carpenter. And it blew their minds. They could not fathom what was taking place with these ordinary men. The truth is what made Peter and John bold was not their social status. It wasn't their role in society. It wasn't how the people around them viewed them. The the boldness that came from them had nothing to do with who they were. Rather, had everything to do with the message that they proclaimed. The the boldness comes mainly from the message, not the messenger. And even in our world today, there's a sense that boldness can only come from people who look a certain way. Right? We, we, We tend to respect and we find ourselves in awe. Like you ever find yourself around a famous athlete or a famous actor. Like people lose their minds. Like I've watched these videos and they're like, they're like awestruck of these people who really, for the most part, can we just be honest, most of them have nothing really to offer the world. That's no offense to them. But like the message that a lot of them proclaim are not the message that I want my kids to listen to. And yet we find ourselves 
drawn to them, and we give them a platform. These guys had no platform, and yet they were bold. It's not about having the right charisma, the right pedigree, even the right training to some degree. The religious leaders had all the training in the world. They knew the law like the back of their hand, and yet they missed who the law was referring to. They missed the only one who could fulfill the law in its entirety, the only one who never broke any part of the law, and they crucified him. Remember, Peter showed them from the Old Testament that Jesus was foretold about thousands of years ago, but they didn't catch it. Peter and John actually lived and walked with the truth. They had the way, the truth, and the life right before them. And so that's what led them to be bold. They had met the message in person. And so when it comes to boldness, I want to make sure we understand so that we're not confused on what it means to be bold. And so here's a a few thoughts I have so that we understand what boldness is and what boldness isn't. First of all, boldness doesn't mean loud. Boldness doesn't mean somebody who's just got a big mouth. But it does mean firm. To be bold means we're not like, well, you know, like just kind of not wanting to say the hard thing. You're trying to make it as soft as you can possibly do. There's a sense where there's urgency in the world, right? If Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that means there's no other way. That means we can't flip-flop around with this. There's only one way to Jesus. And you must start by repenting of your sin. That has to, we have to be firm, but it doesn't mean we're loud. If you don't have this, like, listen, I, if you know me at all, you know that I kind of wear my emotions on my sleeve. I'm a passionate person naturally. I'm all in or I'm all out. If you watch a sports game with me, uh, I'm all in. Or, or there's no point in watching it for me. I, like, that's just the only way I can do it. When I'm worshiping and I'm amazed at what Jesus has done for me, my personality, I can't help but raise my hands. I can't help but shout. I can't help but clap. That may not be you. Boldness isn't about being loud, but it is about being firm. Here's another thought about boldness. Boldness doesn't mean arrogant, but it does mean confident. There's a difference, right, between being arrogant and being confident. And this is where I, I would get tripped up in it because it's like, well, how, how, does, how is confidence not arrogance? Isn't that kind of the same thing? Like for me, it just kind of trips it up because I've just struggled kind of with confidence my whole life. But what I realize is that it's not about confidence in yourself. It's about confidence in the message that you are delivering. If you, we are confident and firm in the truth and we know what we know is true, then we are confident about it. We're not arrogant. That's the problem with so many people in the church especially and on social media. I'm sick of it. Like people who are just ripping apart those who are unbelievers as if unbelievers should act any different way than they do. Yes, be confident in the truth, but we're not arrogant about it. Like Christians, arrogant Christians should be the most oxymoronic thing in the world because we're Christians not by anything that we have done. Right? Not by works of righteousness, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. What do we have to boast in? 
We have nothing to boast in. It's not about being arrogant, but it is about being confident, not in yourself, but in the message that you are delivering. Here's another thought. Boldness doesn't mean hateful, but it can be confrontational. Kind of with arrogance. Another thing I see in the Christian world that breaks my heart is just this hatefulness of those who have suppressed the truth. But scripture all throughout talks about, like, that's the way you once lived. That, that's how you used to be. You used to be the one who hated God. You used to be the one who boasted in everything about yourself. So Christian, it's boldness is not about being hateful and running over people because you don't give a rip what they say. You just care about the truth. The scripture is very clear. Speak the truth in love. Boldness does not mean hateful, but it may be confrontational. There's nothing more confrontational than saying you fall short. <laughs> you are not worthy of anything good. That's confrontational. But don't let the way you respond be what's confrontational. Let the message be confrontational. The gospel is offensive, is it not? The gospel says you are guilty and you caused the death of an innocent man. That is confrontational. But don't be confrontational because of who you are. Let the message be confrontational. Boldness doesn't mean hateful, but it can be confrontational. Boldness isn't about the person. Rather, boldness comes when we know the truth and proclaim it clearly. I remember in high school having to give a speech on a certain song. And now, honestly, in high school, I really didn't listen to much music. Uh, but there was this Christian band. I went to a secular school, by the way. Uh, and there was this Christian band. Anybody heard of the band called Acapella? Anybody? Oh, praise you. Praise the Lord here. Um, <laughs> Some of you would probably be like, my kids are like, oh, Dad, what is this stuff that you are listening? This is music? I was like, of course it is. You have no idea. Today's music is garbage. I'm just I'm sort of joking. Uh, but there's a song that I picked out to play. And to be honest, at the secular school, I was scared, like, for my turn. And I remember uh, Christmas break was coming up, and the teacher was like, anybody who doesn't give their speech will give it after Christmas. And I'm like, please don't call on me. Please don't call on me. Because I... Cause I I knew the song was probably not a popular song. It didn't really sound like the secular music that was going on. But, and so I was scared. And so praise God, or maybe not praise God, they did not call my name. And over break, I chickened out. And I talked to somebody. I'm like, hey, what's a cool secular song? I don't know, some love song. And so I, they gave me some song that I listened to, and I chickened out. And I was not bold in sharing the message of Christ through that song. I was afraid of what people may think of me, but praise God for his mercy. Like here I am today doing my best to honor the Lord by proclaiming the truth of God's word boldly. Why? Because I've become more and more firm in understanding the goodness of Jesus and the truth of his word. So how can I not proclaim the good news of Jesus. Boldness is not about the person. You don't have to be loud. It's not about being arrogant. It's not about being hateful. It's about proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And so if you have that quiet personality, there's no worries for you. You can still be bold in proclaiming the truth of God's word. Look at verse 14. 
But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And so you have the Sanhedrin here asking Peter and John to leave them so that they can discuss what has just taken place. And at this point, they can't possibly oppose what they have been saying. Like, they can't oppose what Peter and John have said. The evidence is right in front of them. Here's this man who was lame just a few hours before that, and now he's leaping and dancing, and everybody has seen it. The truth is so obvious, they can't even deny it. A man was miraculously healed. Still, what it came down to was that they were a threat to their own peace. Peter and John were a threat to their own peace. They had it good with the Romans. They had property, they had wealth, but they were Jewish as well, and so they were giving the Jews a bad name, and they were afraid the Romans were going to come down on them too. And so they're like, we got to shut them up. And here's the thing. So often we care more about peace and comfort and ease than we do about the truth. And here's, here's what we see. There will always be people who deny the truth. There will always be people who deny the truth. These leaders were not in search of the truth. They were looking to be the kings of their own kingdoms. They weren't looking to build the kingdom of God. They cared far more about their comforts than God's glory being revealed. You see that? They didn't give a rip about what God had to say. They cared more about what they would get from falsehood. They loved falsehood and what it gave them more than they loved pursuing the truth. And look how vastly different verses 16 and 17 are. Verse 16, what shall we do with these men for that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. I mean, here's great reason to consider seriously what Peter and John have been saying. It's right there. The evidence is there. What do you mean? What do you mean what should you do? And yet, verse 17, but in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Do you see the ridiculousness of this? This guy who is walking after having been lame for 40 years, and all they can think about is their own comfort and their own love of the darkness. John Piper compares these two things this way. He says this. It's like saying, oh, look, there's a smoke billowing up the stairway from the basement. Quick, let's close the door and have dinner. Or, look, people with cancer are being healed by this new drug. Quick, let's ban it from the world. That's, in essence, what they were saying. Like, well, we can't let other people get healed. That's not good for people. Really, it's not good for them. It's not good for their love of the darkness. But we are all susceptible to this kind of thinking, aren't we? We're all capable and tempted to suppress the truth. I remember years ago in a bowling alley, I was walking around looking for a bowling ball. 
And I noticed a lady at the counter, and she was paying for bowling. And as she pulled her wallet out, I noticed what looked like a $20 bill flutter to the ground. And my heart started beating super fast. And I'm thinking, man, what could I do with 20 bucks? As a kid, I was thinking of very, a lot of different things. And I started making excuses, and I started to suppress the truth. I was like, it's only 20 bucks. She probably doesn't really need that money. After all, she should have been more responsible and keep her money safe. Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. And I started thinking all these different things. Well, maybe I could take this money and I could buy my family member a gift. <laughs> do you see what we do? Do you see how we play with our mind? Like, we are tempted to suppress the truth as well. We are tempted to deny the reality of the truth because we like sometimes what the darkness can give us. Well, by God's grace, God got a hold of me. And after staring at it for, I don't know how long, probably just a few seconds, but it felt like a long time. I went and grabbed it. Ended up being 30 bucks. And I had second thoughts. No, I didn't. And I, and I said, ma'am, you dropped money. I gave it back to her. But you, can, you see what I'm saying there, though, right? You see how we are tempted to hide the truth because sometimes the darkness will benefit us. Some of us here are hiding deep, dark sins, and we're afraid of those around us would find out and what they would do to us. And so instead, we hide it and we keep it to ourselves and we go further and further and further into darkness where if we would just bring it to the light, we would find freedom. We must be careful that we are not the people who deny the truth. You see, because we're going to, Christians are going to stand from the mountaintop and say, I believe in the truth. But then sometimes we go and deny it by lying, by concealing things, because we don't want the truth to be out there. Maybe you're at church and the, the pastor is calling for you that you need to read your Bibles and you need to pray more. And you start thinking, that's so legalistic. Like, we're not saved by that stuff. And we start thinking to ourselves, like, like we should want to read the Bible. You shouldn't have to tell us to read it. That should be something that we want to do. That's, that's, that's not helpful for us. And yet, we forget scriptures like 2 Timothy 2.15 that says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. God calls us to read the word. And so we provoke one another in that way, or we call one another in that way to be in the word. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Through his word, spending time in prayer. You ever find yourself, like, trying to dissect what the pastor said and trying to, well, that's legalistic. Certainly, we are all capable to go into that way, but we're also able to suppress the truth because we want to hear what we want to hear. We must be careful that we don't allow the gain we could receive from falsehood to take us away from holding fast to the truth. Remember what Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now, I believe understanding that people will always deny the truth is also important to understand because our culture is running at breakneck speed away from the truth, is it not? I was reading a news article this morning. Any Olympic fans love the Olympics? Although maybe after this article, I'm like, uh, I'm not sure what I think anymore. But it was this article of this male-born weightlifter who had just made the Olympic team for New Zealand 
for the ladies' squad. And that's what the culture is doing. It's denying the reality, the science that culture so much wants to say by saying a man can compete in a woman's sport. The truth, the reality is, is a man is generally stronger than a woman. That is, that's nothing against women at all. Scripture is clear that says treat, like love women, respect women as the weaker vessel. That's a reality, that's a truth, and yet the world wants to deny that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Far worse, look at abortion. It's beyond my understanding how one can look at a baby in the womb and decide that somehow that's not a human being, but if it comes outside the womb, then it's a baby. A baby born early at 25 weeks is a human, but a 25-week-old baby still in the womb is not a baby. The world is suppressing the truth, and that will always be with us, and we must not be surprised by it. Again, though, remember what boldness is. Boldness is not speaking hatred towards those people, but it may mean you're firm. It may be confrontational. All throughout the Scripture, we see that God speaks of babies in the womb as if they are people because they are. It's a living soul. It's a living being. So it's not about hatred, it is about being firm, and it may be confrontational. But that's what happens in a world that denies the truth. Be bold when you speak the truth. And it matters that we speak the truth in love, and we must do better at that, Christians. We must do better speaking the truth in love. And until Jesus returns, there will always be people who deny the truth. And may we not be the ones who participate in that. And ultimately, this all leads to the last thing that we see here, which ties the reason for the boldness of the disciples. Look at verse 19. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. So Peter continues to remain strong and confronts them. (laughs) And I love what he says Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. What he's saying is like you are speaking differently than the God that you say you believe in says. It's not lining up. And he just goes right after them. Love that boldness. Here he stands before people who have the authority to throw him in prison and he doesn't back down. And here's our last point to consider. The people of God can't help but proclaim the truth. The people of God can't help but proclaim the truth. Peter and John had been so impacted by Christ. They walked with him for three years. They saw up close the miracles that were performed. They saw up close his relationship with his father, how there were other things to do. There were other people to heal, but he realized, I need my time with my father They walked with the truth and they saw how he lived. 
and they were deeply impacted by Jesus. And the only proper response they had was to proclaim the truth. Now what would lead Peter and John to a place where they would be willing to be so bold and so confrontational in front of those who had the authority to punish them? Certainly this goes beyond head knowledge, right? This goes beyond like I'm smart and I know the truth. Like there come a point where if it was just in your head and not in your heart, you would relent and say, fine, this isn't worth it, and you'd walk away. This goes deeper than head knowledge. They weren't just defending facts. They loved Jesus so much and knew that he was the way, the truth, and the life. They were so convinced that Jesus was who he says he was that they were willing to count the cost because Jesus was worth it. What would compel us to be willing to stand up for the truth no matter the consequences? What will lead us to share the gospel with those around us even if we are rejected for it? It comes from an overflow of having a relationship with God. It comes from spending time with him and getting to know him. Now this may be weird. Some of you guys may judge me for saying this, but I love weddings. I love weddings. I talk to people like, oh, I got to go to another wedding. I'm like, I get to go to a wedding. I love it. And there's nothing greater when the groom bawls their eyes out as their bride comes walking towards them. The reason is because I bawled my eyes out and I want somebody else to be doing it with me. It's just a, such a beautiful thing to see just, just these two people coming together so in love. It is a beautiful thing. I mean, and on that wedding day, what does the bride and groom do? They declare their love for the world. They have no cares of what others would think of them. They just want the world to know, this is mine. She is mine. He is mine. It's an awesome thing. I love marriage. It is what God has given to us. And I was willing to do anything, and I still am willing to do anything for Nikki. And when we come to understand who Jesus is and what he has done for us, when we get into the Bible and read about his amazing grace, we can't help but be captivated by our Savior. We can't help but declare to the world, Jesus is my Savior. He is everything to me. And I am unashamed to do so. We sang that song, You Cannot Be Stopped This Morning. And I can't help but think even my sin can't stop my Savior from coming after me. I'm not talking about my sins of yesterday. I'm talking about my sins of today and tomorrow. Even those sins will not stop my Savior from rescuing me. Brothers and sisters, he is worth everything you have put to death. Therefore, the things that entangle you, taste and see that the Lord is good. And let him take over your life to where you can't help but proclaim the truth. Listen, my, my greatest prayer for our church is not that we would read the Bible more. It's not that we would pray more. It's not that we would have this room filled up when we have our prayer gathering in a couple weeks. It's not about healthy marriages and families. It's not those who aren't married who would find contentment in Christ or find a spouse. It's not that we would share the gospel with the unsaved we encounter. It's not that our church would grow full and we'd have to go to multiple services and we have to do a, a, a program to build up a church. That's not my greatest prayer. 
My greatest prayer is this, that we would fall so deeply in love with Jesus that we couldn't help but read our Bibles. We couldn't help but pursue him in prayer. We couldn't help but love our spouses because we realize that Jesus loves me and my sins against Christ are far greater than the sins of my spouse against me that who am I to hold bitterness against them? My prayer is that we would love Jesus so much that we couldn't help but proclaim Jesus to our kids, that we would repent when we fall short, that we couldn't help but go to our neighbors and our friends, to our coworkers, to our fellow students and declare the good news of Jesus, no matter the cost, no matter the rejection, because we just love him so much and we know that he can take away their sin, we can, he can take away their greatest problems. When we love Jesus, all those other things fall into place. And when we become those people, we can't help but proclaim the truth. And so, how is your love for Christ this morning? When is the last time you opened up God's word? Was the last time in seven days today? Was the last time you've been so overwhelmed by Jesus when you're singing? Because Not because these words are emotional or the beat is emotional, but because the words of your singing, you're reminded of your sin and reminded that Jesus has paid the price. And so you can help but open up the word. Maybe if you're not in the word, you're not praying, it's because your love for Jesus has faltered. Because you can't be like Peter and John and say, I can't help. But being the word. This is not about perfection. It's not about opening our Bibles every day. We're going to fail and stumble. But if we don't have this consistent love for Jesus, then we're not going to open up his word. Or when we do, we're going to be so burdened by what it says. And we're going to look at it by a bunch of rules rather than a love letter of the Savior who loved us so much that he came and died for us. Are you in love with Jesus this morning? If you're not in love with Jesus, you're not going to be bold like Peter and John. May May we fall more in love with him. And maybe that's what you need to do is just repent. Because you've loved the world more than you've loved your Savior. May the greatest thing you can do this week is just spend some time and be honest with them. <laughs> Jesus is a big boy. You know that? <laughs> he can handle your anger. He can handle your frustration. He can handle your sorrow. Jesus says, come to me all who have it together and I will give you rest. Come all who are weary and heavy laden. Come, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He wants to hear from you. He wants you to cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And then let that love overflow into all areas of your life. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to make things a little bit awkward for some of you, but that's okay. We, church is primarily for believers in Christ, amen? If you're an unbeliever, we are so glad you're here. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable at all. But for believers in Christ, we are called to seek our Lord out, right? We're called to live out life in community. And so here's what I want to do. I want to pray through some of this. Sometimes we just hear the message, we go home and we forget, right? Even me, halfway through the week, I'm like, what did I preach on Sunday? Uh, it's easy to forget. And so I want to spend some time praying. And I want to encourage you, step out of your comfort zone, if you're willing, and we're going to spend some time praying together. I'm going to give you some prayer points. Here's how, here's how it's going to work. i got three prayer points. We're just going to pray through the main points of the sermon. Okay? If you don't want to pray, you can just sit in your seat and you can close your eyes or do whatever you want to. Uh, but for those who just be willing to find somebody to pray with, we're going to pray together. And as I move to the next point, if you're still praying, don't stop praying for me. 
keep praying. Even if I'm talking, I'm not going to be mad. I'm just going to keep things moving so we're not here till 11.15, although I think that would be just fine, right? Um, and so we're going to pray through these, and then we're going to sing in response afterwards. So I want you, everybody to stand up who's willing to pray. And no judgmental for those who stay seated, but stand up now. I want you to find somebody. Here's the first prayer point we're going to pray through. The first point, can you go back to that first point? I think I maybe have it now. Uh, the first point there is boldness is more about the truth than the messenger. So I said these things. Boldness mean, doesn't mean loud, but it does mean firm. Boldness doesn't mean arrogant, but it does mean confident. Boldness doesn't mean hateful, but it does mean confrontational. Maybe you find yourself in a way that, you know, I've been arrogant. I've been hateful to those who think differently than me, those who are unbelievers. And, Lord, convict me of that. Help me to remind myself that boldness, maybe you're shy. Maybe you need to be reminded that boldness is about, not about your personality, it's about the truth. And that you would grow in understanding the truth. And so however you feel led, in light of that, find somebody next to you. Let's pray out loud together. If it's not loud in here, I'm not going to be happy about it, all right? <laughs> so find somebody. Let's pray together now.